Uh, All right, so you wanted to read Atonement. Atonement. A Dowry of Blood. A Dowry of Blood and Dune. I did read Atonement. I well done. read a little bit of Dune and just... Same here. Yeah. And then A Dowry but, of Blood is still on my TBR. I want to read it in October because it feels like an October read. It fits October very well. I think so. So yeah, that's still on my list. Dune, I don't actually know if I want to keep it on my list. I really wanted to like it, but it's just, it's a lot, is all I can say. It's a lot, and still it is very little. Like, I'm 160 pages in, and I am bored. I don't know. The, the story has not grasped me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not hooked, sadly. And I don't know how much longer I have to keep going until it actually does put its claws in me. I don't know. For the moment, I've decided we're not going to try. It's going to go on that pile of books that I started at some point and then stopped reading. It's not like completely DNF because I might pick it up again in the future. Just not the immediate future. Mm. I have a pile of those as well. I think everyone should have a pile of those because if you don't, you're kind of creepy. Sometimes you're just not (laughs) in the right mood. I think Dune really requires you to be in the right mood. Exactly. I'm a big believer of the right timing for books. And I try to force Dune and it's just not working out. So it's going to go on the shelf I'm going to revisit at some point in the future and maybe I'm going to love it. Maybe I'm going to hate it. We don't know. We'll just won't find out today. Yeah. The other book I was going to read in September was The Housekeeper and the Professor mm-hmm. by Yoko Ogawa. But you started um, that one, didn't you? I started it. I am not very far through, though. I'm on page 46. Mm. Which I have no idea where I was um, in our last wrap up because I had already started it then. Yeah, so I did not get far at all. You told me something about he really likes maths and he tries to find connections between her phone number and her shoe size. Yes, exactly. And, and it's then, is, is really fun. Yeah. And we've just found like the first threshold where her kid gets involved and you can feel that this is a story point that gets the story going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also partly due to Dune, I was in a weird reading mood. Yeah. Because I started so many books this month and I finished only two. Um, I didn't get far in any of the ones that I randomly started. It was sort of, I don't want to read Dune. <laughs> But I told myself I would. Uh, <laughs> that sort of. I think it's a uh, it's a very good way to walk straight into a reading slum. Yeah, which is also why I'm stopping trying to read Dune for the moment because it's just not working. But the housekeeper and the professor is still going to be my train book. Like I take it with me to work, and if I adjust to the days getting shorter. And the sun only just having risen when I sit on a train and I'm actually awake enough to read again, then I will continue. (laughs) Welcome to Broken Spines at the End of the World, the podcast where we talk about everything reading and writing related. Today, 
we're doing our September wrap up. So yeah, but should we yeah, start wrapping the up books our books? The books we then? actually read this month. You start out with Atonement, I guess. Yes. So I read Atonement, or I finished reading Atonement. I started reading that book, let's say, over ten years ago, and I came like, I don't know, I was sixty pages in or something like that, and then we watched the movie. So all of the urgency disappeared and I put the book down. And then, I don't know, it just found me again uh, last month or in August. And then I started reading it and I was like, I really like Ian McEwan's writing style. Like he has that possibility of drawing me in and completely overwhelming me with his writing because he's done so before. Um, this one, unfortunately, I think it's like his most famous book, but mm-hmm, it didn't do so. it for me. And I think the trouble was the main character. So in case you've never seen the movie and have no idea what Atonement is about, like in really, really short, there's this 13-year-old girl called Bryony she sees her older sister have a conversation with like the gardener who's like they're the same age they both went to like one of the university cities in britain together so they really know each other well and there's some uh sexual tension between the two so this 13 year old girl sees them have this conversation And she completely misreads the whole situation. So she assumes that he is like a bad guy and that he is trying to coerce her sister into doing things that she doesn't want to do. Things evolve and get worse. So she gets really set in this belief that this boy, Robbie, is a bad guy. And then when something else happens, he gets blamed because she points the finger at him for something that he didn't do. So he is sent to prison. And then like the first part takes place in 1935. And then a little bit later, the Second World War starts and he gets the opportunity to go to France and fight and like be released from prison, basically. So the middle part is atone himself. (laughs) Well, it's not him that (laughs) needs to atone. (laughs) So the middle part is him in France. That part I really liked. And then the last part is her again. But now as an adult, looking back on everything that's happened, I don't feel like there was enough atonement there. (laughs) Like she's always saying how she wants to atone for the things that she did. But we didn't really get there. At least I don't feel like we did. So no, I really didn't like her. And that kind of took away the whole enjoyment of the book. Because if you can see someone grow throughout the story, that's one thing. But if they sort of stay the same, like not completely, because of course she grew up and she realized that what she did was wrong. But like it didn't really amount to anything. Mm-hmm. And if you'd just given me an entire book 
following this one guy who'd been done wrong, trying to make something of his life, then I would have liked that a lot better, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because I liked most of the characters, just not the main character. So that's a bit I think of a it's maybe I think it's maybe a problem of a promise. Like you yeah. start out with the promise that she's going to atone for what she's done mm-hmm. and that she's going to reflect and learn and change mm-hmm. and at, to a certain amount and you don't get the full amount that you've been promised. Yeah. So it feels disappointing. So yeah, unfortunately, this I, like it's not that I didn't like it. It just wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. I mean, I already forgot so much about this book. It's not going to stick with me at all, uh, which is yeah. a bit of a shame. Clear sign. Because I like to look back on the books that I've read and go like, oh, this one was about this and that, and that one was about mm-hmm. this and that. But this one, I couldn't give you any details. Yeah. <laughs> I had to struggle <laughs> to remember all the names. Oh, uh, well, thanks. Next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. You do your first. What did you um, read? Yeah, I read two books. One of them was a nonfiction. So I'm going to start with that one. Good. Um, I read I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race oh, uh, yeah. by Rennie Edelotch. Um, long overdue that I read this and very, very interesting. It's for those of you who don't know, it's um, nonfiction about Black history of the UK, mm-hmm. which is very intriguing because usually when we see anything about black history it's always in the context of america yeah which is very misleading because america is not the only country with black history (laughs) big surprise yeah and she does it so so well she's a journalist and you can really tell by her writing it's very clear writing it's very precise um but very readerly as well and she looks at the history of the uk she looks at the race um issues that still persists to this day. And she looks at the intersectionality of um, race and class and feminism. And it's just, you feel so much smarter by the time you're done, it's crazy. Mm. I found it particularly interesting because it does, well, first you have the European perspective. She also mixes in other countries. Mine gets mentioned for being racist because we are, hello. Um, yours does as well by the way yeah I know Belgium is the worst like we are absolutely horrible and some of our things have been truly atrocious this is true we don't have kings Um, we are just racist by ourselves sadly Um, yeah but we all have baggage and it's very fair that it gets mentioned and we get this European perspective that we hardly ever get in mm-hmm. the discussion of race, which I think is very important because it always feels a bit distant when, you know, it's always the American perspective because America is rather far away. Yeah. Um, so it brings it all much closer to home, which is very important. It makes and- it seem more like an our problem instead of yeah because it is an our problem right Mm -hmm. because it happens here on a daily basis also she she brings in this very british system of class which is quite unique to the uk 
and very interesting in itself because it's fucked up. And if you add racism and feminism into that class system as well, it just gets very chaotic and extremely, extremely interesting. So highly recommend. Go, go read. Go get smarter. I really want to read it now. <laughs> Thanks for that, Sarah. You're welcome. My TBR is never ending. That's how it should be. Okay. Well, we're moving on swiftly. Um, I read a Dutch book for review, which is called De Liefde Volgens Sergio. Um, I'm not going to talk about it in depth because it's a Dutch Don't book. Don't worry, everyone. I did not understand what the title means either. It's like love according to Sergio. He's like, there's like this program on Dutch TV called First Dates. And it's like people going to a restaurant and getting to know each other, like going on a first date. And he is like um, the maître of the restaurant. So he makes sure that everything goes according to plan and stuff, that people feel welcome and all of that. Is it a romance? It's it's nonfiction. uh, Ah, it's nonfiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just him talking about love, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, He's quite well-known in the Netherlands. I've never seen the program and I I have no idea who he is. But like judging from the book, he's a really nice guy who has gone through some shitty things in like his childhood and stuff. And the book is like 25 chapters, I think. It's like love for uh, your family, love for your first love, love for life, love for your work love for your pets love for like all of yourself and stuff so I liked it it was it was really good I like read most of it in one afternoon every chapter ends with like a list of songs or like a list of recommendations for movies and stuff like we that. all know you love lists so oh, that's I very love you so yeah it was really good so in case you read Dutch books De Liefde Volgens Sergio give it a go like if you're interested in a cute nonfiction book about love you can't really go wrong it's not adorable like on with the english books <laughs> i tried really hard to finish big magic by elizabeth gilbert but i didn't really get there i think i have like 50 pages left um so i only have one book left to talk about but it's a really good one. If you've ever seen the movie The Princess Bride, I know you haven't. We still I need to, we have to watch it together. I need to atone for that. It took me a long time to watch it too. I think I only saw it for the first time a couple of years ago. And at first I was like, what is this? Like <laughs> I will. I don't I have want heard many to. things about it and I know it's very weird. It is very so weird. So I am very intrigued, but for some reason I've I was never too. hit the moment where I was like, right now is the time. While I was watching it, I couldn't help but feel like, what am I watching? What is this? Like, what is the <laughs> point? And then I finished it and I immediately wanted to watch it again. Nice. It's that kind of movie. It's also based on a book um, by William Goldman. 
I haven't read the book yet. I want to, though. I'm going to order it, I think. He also wrote the screenplay. And there was a bit of a, like, I don't know, myth around it. Like, every studio that wanted to make the movie, like, things went wrong. So it never got made. Until at one point, I don't know, I can't remember his name, the director from, like, Spinal Tap, which is an also, like, a very highly acclaimed movie. The studio told him, like, after the success of that movie, you can do whatever. Just tell us what you want to do. Everything will be fine. And he said, I want to do The Princess Bride. And they said, anything but that movie. Pick anything but that movie. But he persisted. And the movie got made. And now we have this book called As You Wish, Inconceivable Tales from the Making of the Princess Bride by Carrie E-L-W-E-S. Hughes, I don't know. Carrie. Let's just say Carrie. We're on first We're name on first name now. basis now. <laughs> he is the male lead. And I would try to explain what the movie slash book is about. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. But it's great. You'll just have to take my word for it. It has um, sword fighting and princesses, obviously. It has good guys and bad guys. It has great acting. <laughs> like, I have, it, it's just amazing. I love it so much. So listening to this book, because I listened to it on audiobook was just amazing. I listened to the introduction while like driving to a dentist appointment. And by the time that I got there and the introduction was over, I was pretty much crying in my car because it's just, it was great. <laughs> it's just great. It's so cute. It's all of the actors and the directors just talking about making this movie which in itself is interesting because you like I find it very interesting to hear about how movies are made like how all of the behind the scenes works how the casting works how makeup and costuming and everything I find that really really interesting but to get all of that information about a movie that I really like makes it even more interesting and hearing all of the actors talk about the stuff that they were up to behind the scenes or talk about specific scenes, I will never look at that movie the same way. Like now that I know all of these things, mm -hmm. like for example, the main character, uh, Carrie, he broke his um, toe on set. Well, not on set, like messing around behind the scenes and then he had to do like one of the really important scenes but he couldn't really put any weight on his foot so he says in the audiobook if you watch that scene closely you'll see that I'm like positioning my leg quite weirdly and everyone said oh he that's like really elegant but no it's just because I couldn't <laughs> put any weight on my foot so yeah, and all of those things, it's just, it was so cute. 
and it's like it felt so wholesome to hear all of these actors just take a trip down memory lane because it's been a while like I don't remember when this yeah, movie came out quite a let me google like it it's been a while like there are actors who have since died but that they still like tell stories about to like make them a part of the whole conversation 1987 yeah like even older than I thought it was thanks that's uh... <laughs> yeah that's two years before i was born thanks oh you're welcome it, it's as old as that <laughs> yeah like it's super old <laughs> anyway it was just like talk about delivering on the promise you set out this book was everything i wanted it to be it oh, was great i had such a fun time listening to it like if you've seen the Princess Bride. Just listen to the audiobook because it's so much fun just hearing them talk about it. Like I can't speak for reading the book like on paper because that's mm-hmm. not what I did. I just I can really recommend just listening to the audiobook because it's like a very long podcast basically. It's just Is them. it the actors themselves talking in the audiobook? Uh some of them. Or is it a reader? Okay. That makes no, it no. extra cool. Yeah, it's so it's the the main actor just telling the story of yeah everything that went on and then other people just chime in from time to time oh that is so cool yeah so maybe this really is the way to go for this book like there's some books that are just better as audiobooks yeah if it had been read by some random dude or dudettes it wouldn't have had the same impact but mm-hmm. because it was mostly the people themselves it just felt it was authentic and yeah it was just so cozy I just really really liked it I'm really glad that I listened to it because I found it on like scribed Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like ah this sounds really cool I might just add it to my list (laughs) And I do I, that all the time. I find it very <laughs> difficult to listen to audiobooks when it's just fiction because I always just zone out sometimes and then I miss part of the plot. But here there wasn't a plot. It's just them talking about their experiences. So yeah, it was great. Really is more podcast. Yeah. Um, I actually also listened to an audiobook, um, which was the only other book that I finished this month. And it was Spirits Abroad by Zencho. And it's short stories. um, About nine short stories, I think. And they're infused by Malaysian folklore. And they're so good. Oh, I might actually have to get the the actual physical book. um, Because the cover is a thing of beauty. Like, unbelievable. It's so pretty. Um... Yeah, so it was just a, a collection of short stories. One of them, I think, won a Hugo Award. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, exactly. One won a Hugo Award. It's called First You Don't, If At First You Don't Succeed, Try, Try Again, which is uh, the story of an imuki, which is a sort of snake creature, I think, okay. um, that tries to evolve into dragonhood. 
and fails and then is very ashamed of it Aww. and it is, it is so good it is so good and they have so many monsters and creatures and spirits that I have absolutely never heard about before um like the Imugi for once or the Pontianak which is a sort of vampire that eats human flesh and it's she, she does it so cutely because it's completely um everyday setting like the Pontianak for instance she's a 16 year old girl going to school and she has a crush on this dude but she's a vampire so she doesn't eat at school uh -huh. because she only eats human flesh um but her aunties they don't want to be savages so they cook the meat even though it's not as tasty if it's cooked as it would be if it's raw um, and one of them figures out that she has a crush on this boy and she wants to eat lunch with him at school mm -hmm. so that she has a reason to talk to him and stuff so she makes her like chicken nuggets but you know human nuggets <laughs> that you can bring to school and then the girl has to find an excuse as to why she's not sharing the food oh, no. <laughs> and <laughs> every story is sort of that way it's so humorous and and so relatable while also having Un, to me unheard of um creatures and spirits and monsters in them like i think they're very common in malaysian folklore but they've just not reached mm -hmm. my reality before and it's so good it's so 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 good that sounds really nice like i really like folklore stories me too and i have a special love for short stories um of all kinds so this was just amazing yeah, I never really get on with short story collections. I don't know why, but maybe I just have to give that one a go. I don't know what it is exactly. Actually, I do know what it is. I mean, for for one part, I really like writing short stories. And there's this quote I read by, I think it's Stephen King, where he said that short stories are an entirely different thing they're like a kiss from a stranger in the dark and I think that describes it very well mm -hmm. because it's this short surprising thing that is just completely unexpected yeah yeah I can imagine if it's done well that it's just very sweet and to the point like it hits that or very terrifying and to the point like it can <laughs> It just, it brings across an emotion in such a compact way, if it's like, done well. <laughs> Maybe so I, have, I just haven't read the right collection yet. Yeah, probably. I'll have to keep looking. They have, I yeah, short stories have a special place in my heart. I really need to get the physical copy. You have to Google the, um, the cover. It has like, there's different covers but the one that i want is like what's the title again dark black backdrop uh, spirits abroad it's a dark black backdrop with this dragon mask oh, yeah. that's very colorful just taking oh. up most of the cover yeah. right that's a really gorgeous cover exactly nice. a gorgeous cover that wraps up gorgeous stories nice so our next episode is going to be our tentative October TBR because we're really bad at keeping to TBRs. Well, we're going to try anyway. <laughs> we're going to try anyway. Um, yeah, it's going to be some 
well, I won't say spooky or scary books. Maybe for you it will be, but I don't usually read a lot of those. So it's going to be like it's cozy be... murder mysteries or just like October cozy. It's going to be spooky books. season books. And if yes. you're a reader, you know exactly what that means. <laughs> it could be anything, but it has that certain October feel to it. Yeah, the right vibe. Exactly. Okay. So, so see you in our next one. Bye-bye.